sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is to keep our eyes on the Lord because so many times the enemy knows when, when we're walking in his glory. And I don't know about you, but for me, and that's about the time the enemy starts putting out the now hiring signs. For any trippers, any um, blasphemy speakers, and anybody that will dig a pothole in front of me. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is suffering in the potholes of life. This morning's scripture is found in James 5, 13 through 18. If you are able, please stand for the reading of the, the God's word. Starting in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed a sin, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a natural like of our, a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years, six months, it did not rain. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain. The earth bore fruit. I can't help but to hear every time there's a siren, I feel like I need to stop what I'm doing and go to prayer. Hearing those sirens, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, in this moment, someone has called out for help. And we have our first responders, and they immediately go into action. Lord, we heard the sirens, just as you heard someone's call for help. Lord, we ask that those first responders have guardians around them to protect them as they go into whatever the situation is. But Lord, we know that you're going to be right there with whoever it is that is called out for help. I don't think it's ironic that our scripture says we are to pray. And in this moment, sirens sound out. Lord, may the sirens of this world stop us in our tracks and make us live out our faith in prayer to you, lifting up the ones that we don't even know. Because, Lord, you know them. And we will never look upon a face that you don't love. Lord, we ask all things in the precious and holy name of your Son. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So before we begin talking about suffering today, because today we've been looking at things that steal our light and leave us in darkness. We looked at unforgiveness. We looked at pride. Now we're looking at suffering. And suffering is a very broad um, category. And it's not one that we like to talk about often. But let's put it in perspective. First, suffering is something that sometimes is impossible to categorize. It's complex. Second, suffering of others will rarely fit into one of our categories because we didn't experience it. And third, when we suffer a traumatic event, we all experience it differently. We process it differently. But suffering can hold us for very extensive lengths of time. So scripture is full of verses that talk about suffering. 
We're told that there's going to be suffering in life. Suffering is seen every time we turn on the TV, every time we look at social media, any platform that connects us to the outside world, we see suffering. And along life's journey, there will be suffering. But if we can be honest, life's highway is full of potholes. And these potholes, they get patched over time. In other words, we're just kind of covering up, sweeping our, our suffering under the rug. But it doesn't help because over time, the pothole comes back. And eventually that road needs to be completely stripped away and a full brand new layer of road laid down. This allows a chance to see underneath what is causing the pothole. So let's put this into perspective. There's something beneath our surface on life's journey. This something is considered a wound. So what is this wound? What do we keep covering up? Even though we cover it up, it keeps coming back because we have not addressed it. Eventually, if we remove all the layers, we will see what is causing us to suffer. We don't like it. It's kind of like peeling back an onion. I don't know about you, but I don't like peeling onions. I don't like cutting onions. I've done the trick of breathing through my mouth. I still cry. But when we look at our wounds, it means we are basically taking the scab off bringing it into the light, the light, and air has to get to it. How many times when you were little and you had a skint knee, they said, oh, the air's got to get to it. I was like, yeah, but it makes it hurt when I bend it. Doesn't matter, the air's got to get to it. That air is the breath of God. We have to bring it to light, into the sun's light, and let the air get to it. You see, if we don't do this, then we become part of the link in the chain called the generational curse. So, let me explain. We're hurt by somebody or something, and we suffer in part of our life. Suffer to the point that some may enjoy living in the suffering. We know those that have, have set up a pity party pit. They like living there. They put out a welcome mat. They hang curtains. They're good there. They like it. Because they have realized and the enemy has told them their only worth is victim. There is no greater worth. So, we take that suffering, we live in it, it becomes infected, it becomes poisonous, it becomes poison to everybody around us, it gives us a completely negative outlook, and we pour negative. How many times have you heard somebody say, must be nice to have, fill in the blank, must be nice to be able to fill in the blank. I have to stop people right there. They're speaking from their suffering into my blessing. And I rebuke that. Now, I don't go off on them. I don't thump them in the forehead even though I want to sometimes. If y'all ever see me reach up, just smack my hand because I'm about to thumb somebody in the forehead. Like, stop it. In the name of Jesus, stop it. But when they're speaking from their wound... They don't know anything different because it has become their normal. They don't realize they are speaking negative into somebody's blessing. But we do get to the point where the suffering is loved, it's cherished, and then we end up repackaging it and sending it back out 
We don't realize that our intentions are the enemy's intentions, and that's how he causes more wounds through the generation, and we said generational curses. But when we peel this back and we assess what is causing the pothole in our road, I kind of think about it like this. When we peel it back and we're looking at the pothole, we are saying to the enemy, I see you in my life, and I'm fixing to turn you over to God. Amen. Now that you've got this visual of a scab and everything right before lunch, let's see what scripture has to say about suffering. So we're in the book of James. And James is one of the most down-to-earth, face-to-face, practical books in the New Testament. And he speaks of two themes, wisdom and faith. We're called to live by wisdom, and that comes through God's wisdom, his discernment, his clarity. But too many times we turn to the world's wisdom, and that just creates that generational curse again because the enemy is going to tell us we're not worth the blessings that God has given to us. So, James says, if anyone has wisdom, he says, let it be seen in how you live. Well, if we're going to live out what God has called us to live, that means we have to address our potholes. So, life's full of journeys. It's full of ups and downs. It's, it's full of trials and tribulations and troubles and I'm kind of a quirky visual person, and so there's parts of me that, that when I read, is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone among you sick? Is anyone among you struggling? Turn to the Lord, and I can't help but think, because, again, I'm visual. I can't help but think of God holding the earth, and he points to Georgia, and Stone Mountain raises. And he takes his hand up, and the Appalachian trails raise. And it comes back down, and there's the Rockies. And then I think about God taking his finger and doing a little turn and telling the ocean it can only go that far. Friends, if you don't know that our God is that big, now that's not written in creation. That's not in the story. That's not in scripture. That's my version. But if we don't recognize how big our God is, our enemy will put our God in a box Amen. every single time. So, if God can tell the ocean, you can only come this far. And why are we not giving our potholes to God? Amen. Does it make sense? So, it's part of our journey. When we bring our faith into our lives, and I've had people say, I live it out all the time. Really? If we were to go to judgment right now, how would it look? And I'm including myself. How would it look? That's always my faith check. If God took me home right now, how would I fare? We must keep in mind that God's hand is always on our lives. Just like the ocean, you can only come this far. He tells the enemy, you can only act up that much. The enemy doesn't have free reign even though he tries to tell us he does. You see, when we talk to God, and prayer is nothing but a continual conversation with the ultimate redeemer. Just continued conversation. There is no stop and start. So when we go to him with our potholes, and we go in prayer, if we look at Psalms 39, it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I take the wings of the dawn 
If I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold me. Scripture is telling us very quickly that the right hand is the hand of judgment. So Psalms is telling us that his right hand is holding us. Then to me, that tells me every move I make, every step, I'm not going to start singing a weird song. Every step I take. That God is judging everything I do and convicting my heart in that moment so that I can right my wrongs. So that I do not create or dig a pothole in somebody else's journey. So we have to keep looking to God. Psalms 121 says, I will lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then Psalms 50 says, Call upon me in your day of trouble. I will rescue you, and you will honor me. Every time God brings me through something, I can't help but just stand there. And if y'all see me doing this, I probably look like a fool, but I'm walking around having a whole conversation with myself. That's what it looks like, but it's me and the Holy Spirit. I'm like, you did it, God. I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. The enemy kept throwing distractions up in front of me, and I couldn't see it. But you were working it all out the whole time. We have to trust. We have to lean on him. The next thing we have to remember is we need to look to God for healing. I'm absolutely convinced that God does healing today just as he did in Scripture. The thing is, we expect it in our time. It's not our time. How many things have we jacked up in our time and needed somebody to come in and fix it? Because his time is perfect. And I've had many loved ones that have prayed for healing and prayed for healing. And it never fails upon their passing. I've had somebody come to me and say they were healed. Now, my timing would be to be healed on this side. More days, more times, more talks. But as long as I keep walking this journey out, there will be more days, more times, more talks with a healed loved one. You know, the natural state of the world is corruption. It's broken, it's evil, it's sick, it's pain. Because this is the domain of the enemy for now. God intervenes with a purpose. He sent his son to be the light to pierce the darkness. While the prince of dark may rule now for a brief amount of time. I'm a firm believer that when we stand in faith, he doesn't rule over us. We are his enemy because we are reflections of God's light into that darkness that he doesn't like and he doesn't want. Just as Jesus healed the blind and the lame, I know there are still miracles occurring today. And I'll tell you, there's nothing more I love than when I get to sit in a recovery ministry and I'm in prayer and all of a sudden the spirit just falls upon me and I'm like, God, there's a miracle in this room right now. You're working things out in this room right now. We don't know who it is. We don't know what the timing is. We don't know what you're restoring, but we know you are. And within a couple of weeks, they come in and say, oh, you, you will never guess. I'm like, I kind of probably already know, but go ahead and tell me. I like it. And they tell me, God worked all this out. Never give up on knowing that we literally sit side by side with miracles. 
How many times can we look back over our life and go, I don't even know why I'm here. I shouldn't be here. There's so many times that God put up a guardrail and I climbed over it. I climbed under it. I did everything I could. But God still stopped us from following the enemy straight off the cliff. Because the enemy took that suffering and he poked it. It makes us run. And he pokes it. How many times have you seen somebody with a big bruise? I know I've done this. My confessions. And you walk up and you're like, mm. <laughs> Just like, ah, okay, okay. That's what the enemy does to us. My cousins and I, we were born so close together. I've got a cousin that's like six days older than me. Another one's two weeks older than me. I was the first girl born of all these boys. You can kind of just take on that little poking a bruise every once in a while. Sometimes that's the only upper hand you can get. But the enemy does that to our suffering. And the whole time he's poking our pain, he's got a minion digging another pothole in front of us. But potholes are nothing more than wounds to our soul. But God heals souls. I know this because scripture tells us of all that will be in heaven. And it will be glorious to see all the healed souls. 2 Corinthians 4.16. It says, Do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And if we go on to 2 Corinthians 5.1-2, it says, We know that if the earthly tent, which is our home, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made by hands in eternal heaven that is awaiting us. That's his promise. He says, I go to create a place for you. There's so many promises that we skip over because suffering distracts us. I want to leave you with one last story. There was a yard sale going on and there were many tools and every time I tell this, it's about time the men stand and what? Tools? Yard sale? Yeah. Okay. But this yard sale was very different. The person that was doing the yard sale, holding the yard sale, said, everything is half price. So one person walks up and says, okay, they're gathering stuff and they're counting how much money they owe. And they said, how much is that tool over there in the corner? And says, oh, I, I can't sell that tool. That's my most pri- my precious pride and joy. Like, I don't understand. Why is that tool not for sale, but all these are? And as the enemy looked up at him, he said, that tool is doubt. You see, all I have to do with that tool is plant a seed. We as humans take that seed. We fertilize that seed. We water that seed. We harvest that seed. And then we share the fruit of that seed. You don't believe me? Go back to the garden. All he said to Eve was, did God say that? Really? Did God really mean that? Just because the enemy's having a yard sale half off doesn't mean we have to be shopping. That's about the nicest way I, I can put some of the stuff I see on social media. We don't need to be shopping. Just because we sit in church and we think we are untouchable by the enemy doesn't mean we need to be shopping. 
Because if we're not battling the enemy, we're holding his hand. What areas of your life are suffering? What areas of your life are potholes growing? What areas of our life are we not trusting to God? That's my question today. We're going into the Advent season. And there's so many times we still have that mentality of I can handle it. But we forget that God already sees everything that we're trying to hide, everything we're trying to sweep under the rug, and everything that we are collecting in our pity pit that we like to live in. What areas of your life have you not let God into? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, it is never easy to look at the areas of our life that we need to give to you. God, so many times the enemy tells us that we're unworthy, we're unlovable in those areas. And that if you saw those areas of our lives, that you would not redeem us. We would not be loved by those around us. Lord, as we go into the Advent season, I pray for each of our hearts to just pour out agape. Not even the word love. Love has become twisted by the enemy. But I pray that we pour out agape, unconditional love. There's no need for us to sit there and, and point out what we see wrong. Because when we do that, we forget there are people pointing at us of what they see wrong. Lord, help us to be a better reflection of your word and your scripture. And Lord, whatever areas of our life that potholes keep coming up, God, I just ask that that whole road, the whole road, be scraped down to the bare bone. Find out what is going on. Point it out to us. And then rebuild that road. So that as we travel down life's highway, that pothole will not make us dodge and then fall off into the ditch along life's highway. Because, God, that's where the enemy waits for us. That is where he wants to keep us. Lord, I pray as we go forward today that everything we do is glorified and points to you. Everything we say is from a heart that reflects your heart. And, Lord, most importantly, if we need to sit down, I pray that you sit us down. If we need to hush... I pray that every word is removed from our mouth. We ask all things in the precious and holy name of your Son. Amen. Amen. Let's stand for our closing hymn. It's hymn number 161. First and last. Is that?